Look up there in the sky. It's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One house husband. One crepe tiger. <laughs> You're really dropping the ball on this. One fortnightly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. Now you're pushing it too hard. We are the Handsome Boys uh, Comics Hour. You hope for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. This is episode 295. Oh, I see how it is. You caught me off guard. All right. You know, that's the way that's the way tigers are. They are stealthy. They're stealthy animals. Mm-hmm. I was I'm a cat. I'm a sexy cat. I don't I don't know what that is. That was uh Danny Putty. And community ah. pretending to be uh, uh, shit. I can't think of his name. Nicholas Cage. That was his Nicholas Cage impression. I'm a cat. I'm a sexy cat. Okay. Uh, we will be discussing the way of the house husband, volumes one through five, by Kusuke Uno. Oh no. Kosuke Ono. Oh no. Okay. Just like you're saying, oh no. Oh no. Um, that will be talking about, uh, former, former Yakuza who now do their best to kill roaches and run a house. Mm-hmm. It's hard work. We all do our best. We do. Uh, before that though, we have comic books that came out these past couple weeks to talk about. It's time for our first segment. It's time for Floppies for Nightly. Floppies for Nightly is the part of the show where Eric and I read a selection of these past couple weeks past couple weeks books and tell you to buy or do not buy them there's a mush meter goes from one to five our first book of the week is hardware season one at number one written by brandon thomas art dennis cowan inks bill sinkiewicz colors chris sotomayor letters rob lay another milestone returns book which this this book kind of caught me off guard um it's jarring it because it feels like it's written in the present day, like written for now, you know, but mm-hmm. it is very 90s-esque, everything else. It is one of the most 90s stories we've ever read. Yeah. Um, very much has that. Uh, I really liked Frank Miller when I was 17 voice to it that was everywhere in the 90s. I mean, I don't know this character. But the motherfucker looks just like Night Thrasher, who could not be any more 90s. I mean, they could have given him, he could have been a black guy with a skateboard. I mean, they they did not do that. No, but it's, I think, I mean, Milestone Comics, they were 90s properties. That's when they got famous. And it's, it's, it's interesting that, like, that, you know, the static book we read right felt didn't feel like 90s a 90s book it felt a little plain i think that was our biggest criticism of it 
but it didn't feel like it was ripped out of the 90s. This kind of does, I think, I mean, mostly because I think of the art, but in the design, I think, is also a part of it. Um, like, it makes me think of, like, it is, I think the message itself is very much like, oh, it is a uh, a black man framed for the crimes of a warlord type, uh, oligarch type, corporatist, a Tony Stark-esque type. A corporatist. A corporatist. And, you know, it it's very clear, like, oh, this black guy's on the run. He's going to try and get revenge on this guy for framing him, which is not a bad story idea, you know, a story shape. But it very closely mirrors. I, I know a little bit about hardware, and it very closely mirrors the original hardware story, uh, which is, I think, another part of it that strikes me. It's sort of like this feels very similar story to the original. Um, it's a little bit more plain face because I think it can be in 2021 um, versus in the 90s. But I don't I don't think I dislike it. I, I, I don't really. Yeah, I, I that's kind of where I'm at, too. I more fall flat. Like I applaud them for trying some things, but it's just, it, it, it's a flavor that I kind of don't want, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like Lance Archer talking about peanut butter and tuna fish. Like, I'm sure it's an interesting combination, bro, but I don't know that I need to put it in my mouth. I, like I honestly think this is a better first issue than that static issue. Yes, I I agree with that. There's kind of less value to it. I mean, even despite the Sienkiewicz, uh inclusion, which I do think he elevates it. Like it does look very interesting. You know, um, I just I just feel weird about it. Like I just. This is this is the kind of comic that made me stop reading comics in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, I think it like it's an interesting premise of like, oh, we take a just take that same kind of story idea from the nineties and update it to twenty twenty one, which is effectively yeah. what they've done. And yeah. I don't know. I I think I'd read this in trade. I think I I, I think I which I think is the same thing I said about static. I think I would read this in trade because I think I like I've like, I've been saying, Oh, I want to go back and read some of those like nineties Punisher comics or nineties Wolverine comics, which, you know, as like full of action set pieces that are just like this, you know, just like helicopters exploding and, and whatever and rockets and stuff. Um, But this is also as a message that isn't just like, Oh, let's just, kill brown people which is what those punisher comics effectively were mm. um i think i would check out a trade of this i I'm absolutely not want to read this issue issue though so i i think i'm a, like a wait for trade you know whatever that like i'm a very mushy wait for trade i guess if i want to like I'll... yeah i i think that's a fair that's a fair assessment my own self i would probably pick this up as a trade and then not read it so i think i think really like there's nuance like that I do find this interesting, but I think I am most comfortable just saying, no, no, thank you. I don't, I don't like this. I don't want this. I think it's more the mixture of bland and weird flavors. I don't know. Less bland than, than, than static shock was, but yeah, no, I, I, 
I think I agree, but I'm a I'm a do not buy. Okay, so that's a split decision. Both coming out to let's look at the trade. Yeah, at the end of the day, maybe that's Check, a that's a see that's, a, how, that's see a messy how, result. Yeah, it's very messy. See how see how it ends up after a trade's worth of uh, comics come out. Uh, our next book is Pennyworth number one, uh, written by Scott Brian Wilson, art Juan Gideon, colors John Rausch, letters. AW's DC Hopkins. I don't think I've ever read that name before. It's a new one. Um, it's always noteworthy when we get a new letterer on a on a big two book. Um, this is a look at Alfred, young Alfred, mixed with current day. I think just generally Alfred. You see like sixteen different time periods in this book again, um, as he's trapped in a current modern day situation and we see multiple flashbacks to him as a spy mm. uh, and some as a child as well um what do you think eric do you like this i would say despite all of those flashbacks and all of the non-linear storytelling it is done in a very clear way mm-hmm. um so that is always that is always the first thing i complain about like if you're going to if if you're if you're going to tell a story uh, non-linearly in a non-traditional way, you'd better do it well. And I think this does. This crams kind of a ridiculous amount of storytelling into 22 tight little pages. It looks amazing. Um, it's nice to see John Rauch back on uh, color. I haven't seen him in a while on this he's done a killer fucking job on it um i think one of the reasons that it's so clear the different eras that we're telling the story in is how different their color stories are Mm -hmm. um that is really key and the art is gorgeous um just all around i i i really like this um you know it's a batman story that's not just just batman and and joker you know talking about how they want to blow each other or whatever they do all the time (laughs) they're gonna do that forever (laughs) Mm -hmm. no the uh the they do i i i i think i'm just i'm programmed now to like it immediately like oh god flashbacks uh why (laughs) but in this case it is clearly delineated mm-hmm. by both both like just them telling you this is then this is now and also like all the character designs are like this is very clearly young alfred this is very clearly yes. a young adult alfred and here this is very clearly like a modern day older alfred well even though mm-hmm. alfred's technically dead but i don't know that's also the weirdest I think that w- having this book come out now is a very strange thing considering they killed Alfred. I'm like, why would you make a... I guess they're just like, oh, well, people want Alfred, so let's give them the Pennyworth book. Um, well, maybe they'll... Maybe they'll... I mean, who is who has really ever stood up and said, I need more Alfred in my life? I don't think anyone has ever demanded more Alfred. I mean, if they knew what was good for them, they would demand this book because it's fucking great. Um... But still, like, what what Batman fan is like, yes, give me more Alfred. No, they're like, I want they 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 want the stories where Batman is like, Joker, give me that clown bussy. 
That's that's all they want. That's really that's that's like that words in the zeitgeist now. I mean, you can blame Effie for ruining me. <laughs> SummerSlam, my bussy. Uh, <laughs> this it is it is certainly in the zeitgeist, though. Uh, this this yeah, this book is uh very good. Uh, it is. It does a very good job of dancing around those different time periods and uses them effectively. Uh, and it makes sense in the situation we're placed in with Alfred in the modern day and that he would be looking back at his past and having these memories. And it makes sense. Um, the art is very good. It is even Somni-esque, I would say, mm-hmm. at times, which certainly endears me to it. That uh, is Robbie's highest compliment. That's it's Chris Somni esque. It's Chris Somni esque. Um, it's the the exact opposite of Kafka esque. But it is it you know it, it it tells a very good spy story uh, with a lot of flair. Um, it, I'm curious about the stuff going the intrigue throughout Alfred's life is ex, is exciting and interesting, and is quite like you just said, Eric. It's a Batman story that does not have the Joker and Batman, you know, tongue kissing. So. Mm-hmm. What's not to love? I'm a buy. Yeah, this is great. Just read it. Total buy on this one. That's double buy. Pennyworth number one. Next up is Eat the Rich number one, written by Sarah Gailey, illustrated by P.S. Bach, colored by Roman Titov, lettered Cardinal Ray. I think the fact that this book makes me uncomfortable tells me that it's effective. <laughs> I, I, I don't. It makes this book makes me feel a little uneasy mm-hmm. the entire time, which is I think it's goal, <laughs> especially when you get to the, the latter half of the book. Even it's uh, it's like a horror book about class war, mm-hmm. uh, and immediately I'm I think of um, which which one of them is it Key or Peel that's the director? It's Peel, isn't it? Jordan Peel, yeah, Jordan Peel. Mm-hmm. And get out. This is very similar. Yeah. This this is this is get out, but with more white people, um, which is just what everyone was clamoring for. Uh, I would have voted for Obama a third a, for a third term. <laughs> the cringiest line in any piece of fiction that I've ever heard. He, it's just like so perfect. Mm-hmm. So perfect. I mean. I don't think the line's fiction. The, like that, the, the, someone, someone, someone said that. Someone told someone him said that. Someone said that to, to, yeah, someone said that to Jordan Peele. Yes, absolutely. Like, like, I, this is, um, it's well drawn. It's got a really interesting concept. Uh, it is, it is about, like, it is about the upper class being cannibal vampire monsters. So, you know I'm all about it, so <laughs> I don't know what else I need to say. Um, I really like this a lot. Uh, yeah, it's really fucking delightful. It is uncomfortable to read. Um, the character, she just feels so awkward, and it's so hard to sort of sit there with her through this. Um, <laughs> her boyfriend is yeah. just like, oh, I don't know if I can face this while drinking. Maybe give your girlfriend warning that you're, there's going to be people getting murdered? No, we don't say anything about that. Oh, he's, he's also, I mean, he's a rich sociopath. Um, that This book is a lot of fun. Fun, quote unquote. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it w- executes really like it, it does feel it doesn't feel like empty. Like it doesn't feel like it's just like three scenes from a, a movie. It feels like we're getting a little bit more detail into this this poor woman's inner thoughts. Um, that that scene with the little baby picking up a jawbone on the beach. Mm-hmm. Ah, I don't like that whatsoever. Um, but that's but it it does the job really effectively. The art is really also very effective at telling a story and making you feel that discomfort, which is a lot of the time the the uh difficulty with a lot of book horror comics that we read is very much like i don't like i can appreciate them and i like oh this is a neat idea and the art is good but it doesn't make me uncomfortable it doesn't like there's no tension to me there's tension here i'm like (laughs) no i don't all the whole way around you're like oh this is bad you know something bad's happening and then guess what uh so yeah i'm a buy yeah pretty pretty confident about this yeah Double buy, eat the rich, number one. Uh, next up, over to Marvel, we're doing Defenders, number one. Storytellers, Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez. Letter, inks, Avro Lopez, letters, Joe Carabagna. They're written on the stairs that the masked raider is walking on. In mm-hmm. the, so that's a little difficult to read. Um, whoo boy. We mentioned, we are talking, we, I briefly mentioned Sandman, uh, Eric, before... We recorded mm-hmm. a lot. You did say the word Sandman. I said the word Sandman. This book is makes me think of Sandman. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I think largely it's the art. Um, it's fucking beautiful. Very, very. It's very, very nice looking. Um, it also reminds me of that of that strange story written by Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, I forget the name of it. The Oath. The Oath. Yeah, it reminds me of the Oath a lot as well. Probably well, the, the Oath is still like one of the best encapsulated Doctor Strange stories. Mm-hmm. Certainly of its era, I think it still stands up as that, even though it has not maybe aged as great as it could have, but it's still really good. But the art is really incredible in this. Absolutely stellar. Outstanding. And it it's not, I don't know, I think the art really is the thing that sells this book. Um, even mm-hmm. though the ideas in it aren't like aren't bad or anything, it's like Doctor Strange assembles a ragtag group of people to fight, yeah, like dimensional, different dimensional threats, I guess. Um, Magic Avengers, yeah, to a certain extent. Um, what's it? But it's a so weird. I, I love, I love that idea. The only thing that irks me about this book is. That it is very, oh, the gang's all here, you know, because every, the whole book is that calling the team. Assembling you know, the and, team, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that's a great story shape, really. It's just, it's one of the most boring story shapes. Um, but the art is so over-the-top beautiful that it really sells it and makes it worth looking at. Um, just absolutely beautiful and and I am intrigued and would like more of this. This is this is fucking fine caviar. I'm I'm here for this wackadoo shit. Yeah, I think that's a. I would I would completely agree. Like that. Oh yeah, we are. We take the entire first issue just to grab a team and then see a threat mm-hmm. and then it's over. And you're like, yeah. Well, well yeah. It, it's. I mean, 
it, it is a like it's a solid hook. We're gonna fight the Omnimax, like this super galactus thing, whatever it is. Um, with this over surfer there, that's really that's a fun thing. I don't know what this this cloud um nebula lady is. I think we'll figure that out. Yeah, I guess little, as we I'm go. A little, I'm a little uncomfortable by it. You don't like cloud. Um, I liked him when he was in Final Fantasy. <laughs> I like this club better than that cloud, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so what do you got against Femboys? Not not in general, nothing. About that one in particular, mm, mm, I don't really like. Do you know what I do here, though? What? Oh, no. I hear Galactus's mom has got it going on. I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's... Well, it's because it's in the fucking book twice. Yeah. It's so weird. I don't know why that's there. The rest of this book does not really match that tone, really. It's very much like Doctor Strange quipping and like ominous portent and like magic mm-hmm. and stuff. And then they're like, oh, we're going to do a joke about Stacy's mom. You remember that song from 2002 or whatever it was? I, I do not. You don't remember Stacy's mom has got it going no, on? No, I do not remember Stacy's mom has got it going on. You weren't listening. To I that. hear Galactus's mom has got it yeah, going on. You weren't listening to like alter- alternative rock radio in 2003 or whatever it was because that's all I heard. I think I in 2003 I was going days at a time without sleeping and making artwork. That's all I was doing. I think on the strength of yard alone, I'm a buy on this. It doesn't. There's I nitpicks, oh, yeah. but I still think this is a buy I, to me. No, I, I totally agreed. I have nitpicks of my own but just the strength of crazy batshit insane magical avengers with doctor strange uh that looks as good as this looks um spoon it up i'm i am here for it spoon it up spoon it up we're just gonna have that's gonna be like we're gonna add that to the rating system you just Mm -hmm. you get a you put a spoon next to it spoon it up Double by Defenders number one, our last book of the week, is X-Men Trial of Magneto number one, written by Leah Williams, Art Lucas Ornek, colors Edgar Delgado, letters Clayton Cowles. Do you know what doesn't work? Um, what? What doesn't work? Uh, a procedural crime scene with X-Men. That's really boring to me. Yeah. I, I don't want that. I don't want pages and pages of dense fucking text describing something that happened (laughs) in the past. Yeah. Like you can set up a mystery in so much more interesting ways and get to the fucking heart of your superhero comic. But like, it's like the whole first, the first, I don't know, third of this is so such crap compared to the rest of this. Yeah. It's basically so much better. Once they leave, the crime scene. Yes. That is effectively the book is like, oh, this is interesting again. It's not just like very boring descriptions of how uh, Scarlet Witch died. I'm like, I, that's fine and all. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is a, a hook into, you know, X Factor, the the book, because that's their, you know, investigating deaths and all that stuff. But I don't think you need to recreate. This is more of a bigger event book. You don't need to necessarily <laughs> recreate the 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 formula that you use in a x factor book in this especially especially when you're writing you know these scenes with magneto and the rest of these uh you know everyone accosting him and this mystery around 
where is the Scarlet Witch? And and you know, I'm I I'm I I, I like this. I'm really I I'm invested in this mm-hmm. mystery. I like the idea. Like I one, what, where is the Scarlet Witch? She's not dead, but she's not alive. Where is she? You know, there is there's been a lot of rumors about this book for months now. As soon as it was solicited, that people are like, oh, it's this is all this is all a way to get Scarlet Witch. Uh, acknowledged as a mutant again because that you know this is that in in you know that's behind the scenes editorial thing it's like we need to we'll make her a mutant again because now that disney owns the x-men properties for films Mm -hmm. um that she'll be mutant again and and so quicksilver by extension and this is the way you make her mutant it's like oh yeah you bring her back to life oh she's a mutant suddenly or whatever you know with this new the new wanda when she's reborn with the uh, with with egg with the eggs and the egg pit, whatever they call that, what do the X Men call their weird revival area? Um, I mean, I but I still like the, the drama here. Pit. The go- I mean, he's he is he's egg now, Eric. Mm-hmm. Come on, he's not. He's he he is forever gold, gold balls, balls in my heart. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. In my heart. We but we I get we get some nice quicksilver in it. I'm a sucker for 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 good quicksilver character moments. Um, but I I I I mean I don't think we're getting any more CSI after this book is over. I think we're going to largely Please get no. We're going to get no. we're going to go to the proper trial of Magneto. I assume. So I, I'm a buy. I, I I like this. There's some good docking in here too, which I really enjoy. This, what is what is up with? I need to I need to look at it while I'm while I'm dunking on docking. Oh no, don't dunk yeah, on docking. Look at look at this with his fucking his bullshit tribal tattoo horse shit and his Oh my god, go to a go to fucking burning man, you piece of shit. He made some bad decisions in his life, Eric. Okay, he can't help it. Docking is a bad decision. He okay? is in largely I mean, that's kind of his character trait is I'm yeah. a bad decision. I, I I I really don't have a problem with it. It's just like it is so on the nose. Like this is he's he, I mean they designed him the, to be hate hated. So that's what they guess what they did. Oh no, he's it's, he's got heel face for sure. Yeah. Now that like this guy, this guy all he wants to do is uh oh god, he wants to do drugs in the woods and then visit the touching tent. That's his whole life. <clears throat> Are you a buy, Eric? I'm a buy. I, I I think that it 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 redeems itself. Like the, the, it does have kind of its problems on the front end, but you get towards the end, it is like genuinely super compelling. They're just kind of focusing on the wrongest of the wrong shit at the beginning, and hopefully that does not continue. Um, so yeah, no, I think I agree with you. It's um. It's it's definitely a great book. I really don't have any reservations or caveats. I, I think I'm simply just a buy. I just say double buy in the trial of Magneto number one. That is all of our floppies for the week. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show where Eric and I talk about basically whatever we want to talk about. Uh Video games or movies or news about comic books or maybe sometimes professional wrestling. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Is well, that going to happen? That is absolutely going to happen. If you don't talk about it, I'm going to talk about it. So no, we we will we'll have a little chatty chat about it. 
as if we haven't been talking about it every day since last Friday. <laughs> I don't have much to check in with, but I can touch you. You want me to touch on it briefly and we can end on uh, the pro wrestling chat or how do you want to do this? You have quite a lot of things. Uh, that, uh, we can end that, on. That looks we like can, we need to have some talks on. We can wrap up. We can do CM Punk stuff at the end. That's fine. Yeah. Um. Do you do you want to talk about your skate your skateboards? I will briefly talk about that, and then I am working very hard um to do some acrylic paintings for a skateboard show here in uh, Pinellas Park slash uh, Saint Petersburg. Um, at uh, Donnelly Cove, really right here in the Pinellas Arts Village from where I'm recording from. Um, but I'm going to try my damnedest to get them all done. I bought a bunch of new paint and stuff. Cost me 70 damn dollars. Jesus. So mad about that. It, art supplies are a fucking racket. They cost so fucking much. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, guys. Um... I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I'm like uh, the graphics I've come up with are great. I want to do more skate decks. This definitely, over my lifetime, has inspired a lot of the kind of look that I put into my artwork. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really hype about it. Uh, stay tuned to my various social media for the final art, which I'll probably post. Maybe if I don't get it done for Friday, maybe I'll post it during the day Saturday when I actually finish it. It's going to be down to the wire. The show is Saturday. So, um, yeah, that's that's about it for that. The other big thing that's happened in my life since our last recording is I finally set a, a new PB, something that I'm relatively happy with in uh, 96 Exits. Uh, Super Mario World. So that was that was pretty cool. It was like two hours and 33 minutes and some change, which I'm pretty happy with. Could have been a lot worse. Um, but it's a good enough point I can improve upon. That's about all I got going on right now. Okay. Well, we have some comic book news we can. I wanted to touch on. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's things we harp on a lot about over the history of our podcast it's things we've talked about a lot about the direction of future direction of comic books and uh digital comics and web comics how they've affected mainstream normal as big two superhero comics and mm -hmm. self and and self-owned you know owner own, owner uh comic book owned brands and stuff like that um uh so substack is investing in comic books 600 to the tune about 600 million dollars they say which to them to a to a, a VC 600 million dollars is not that much money for you know a new business or whatever for a new investment um compared to it could be billions and billions of dollars for some investments mm -hmm. and but they are investing in a lot of different comic book people uh creators mostly writers um there's some artists mixed in here but mostly big name writers: Jonathan Hickman, Tinian, Snyder, Donny Cates, Chip Zdarsky, um, Saladin Ahmed, uh, Molly Ostertag, Ram V, Scotty Young. There's more than that. Those are the biggest names, um, all getting their own imprints through Substack, where you basically Substack works, where you basically subscribe to them. 
for a certain amount of money. I think it's like for a year, it's like like sixty dollars to a hundred dollars, depending on levels of like how much stuff you want. Like if you just want the books, I think it's roughly sixty dollars per per creator. Uh, and there'll be some of them are writing. I know Donnie Cates is he Ryan Stegman's in it with him, and well, as long well as his his uh, wife Megan Hutchinson. Uh, they are he's doing three or four different books, but Snyder is doing like ten books. Hickman has a bunch. Of, he has his own imprint as well. He's bringing a lot of people he did X Men stuff with with him. Like Al Ewing is doing some books with the Hickman imprint as well as uh, Teeny Howard. Like there's a there's that's what i mean when it's a lot of people it's not just these names but and the, some of these people are bringing in others to work under their own imprints and they're all digital first and then to be published under image down the road as cl- probably collected in some way or shape or form it's an interesting model um I don't know how much you have you heard about this at all, Eric. Have you been? Is this caught going through your radar? Did, I it got put on my radar because Justin Jordan was talking about it. Um, so I, I was like, "What is this thing?" I looked it up. It is kind of bizarre because it really seems like it seems exactly like Patreon. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about like the, the sort of shape of this model. It is the same thing with a different logo. Um, it is 0% different, although it appears it is primarily through email and less about going to a website. Um, there is a there is one primary difference, which is, I think, the reason why the, all these creators decided to go this way mm-hmm. and, is that they are getting money up front. They are getting paid before these books come out. Uh, and the there was a there was advances yes and the and which the, is yeah that that's a that is um I do remember seeing that little bit of news and that is an interesting and positive thing. Um, the comics the com- there's a comic beat, comics beat article that I'm gonna link um which covers it to like in the broad terms I don't cover everything because there's a lot but it is um they bring up the idea of like, well, this is a way for all these creatives, mostly writers to pay their, pay their artist, uh, without having to worry about sales basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like John Hickman can hire the artist he wants and just pay them. And certainly they, the artists will probably still have ownership of the ideas and stuff, but they don't have to rely on licensing and branding and worrying, trying to mm-hmm. wrangle movie or TV deals to, to pay on the back end or whatever. Um, there, but otherwise it's really just, yeah, you pay a flat fee and you subscribe to their, you subscribe to a year or a month of a comic book, whatever that is. Um, there is, there's obviously there's of course with anything that happens with comic books and distribution, there's going to be controversies. Some of which I think is warranted and some I think is overblown. Uh, there's a lot of people who are, angry that these are these people are abandoning comic shop comic shops because it's digital first books even though and then there's also counterpoints to that saying well people who buy digitally really don't go to comic book shops very often that is that is definitely that is definitely still a true thing um and most of the data really really goes along with that that it is a different people that is buying stuff digitally like they're like i i would not buy anywhere near as much comics or read anywhere near as much comics 
if I was not doing it digitally. I have little to no interest in having a bunch of pieces of goddamn paper laying around my house, even more so than I already fucking do. <laughs> and so, and and when people, and then they're going like, well, these will be published eventually on in print, uh, probably in trade, and you can buy. People will go to comic shops ostensibly to buy it then, um, if you want that audience to be reached. Um, which I think is again, I think that again, people going, oh, you're abandoning comic shops. I think that's kind of overblown. There's still there's so many comics in print right now. Is a largely a lot of these people working on these books are still also publishing things in print concurrently, not just they're not Substack exclusive or whatever. Um, the other, I think the probably the uh, the thing that is more troubling, and I, I don't, I'm not going to say it's. I don't know. Certainly to some people, it probably is a hard line in that they will not be giving these people business is that Substack is openly courts, basically just the worst talking heads of the world. People who are openly transphobic, misogynist, racist uh, to sell subscriptions to, you know, right wing or, you know, fascist authoritarian voices. Mm. And I mean, I think I think uh, YouTube will will sue them for gimmick infringement. I mean, and I think that's where you get like, well, all these all these creators have open have all made statements that are like, yeah, we don't agree with any of that, and we are our space in this will be open and welcome to everyone. And if if and when Substack thinks they're going to try and enforce some sort of you know edict about any of that or makes some terrible decisions about how they, where that money goes or whatever, we will maybe revisit this and decide to leave. But ultimately I think this Substack deal is very much like these people are like, how many times Eric have you and I set talked about how little money comic creators make for how much, yeah. work, how much work they put, especially artists in particular. I, that is the thing that, um, that is the thing that is kind of frustrating about this, if anything. Um, I mean, I'm all for anyone in comics making more money in any way possible. I, I absolutely respect that. But it's just uh, writers already <laughs> writers already are the only people that make an even halfway decent living in the comics these days. Um, it's It's just frustrating that they're getting another tool now that they don't deserve it but you know meanwhile artists work 90 hours a week and fucking uh you know make like 35 grand a year it's great yeah isn't it weird that i think i now i think of chip sadarsky as a writer first yeah i i barely even have much memory of his artistic career even though i do think like i don't know i can't think of anything other than sex criminals that's what it was called, correct? Yes, yeah, sex criminals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's drawn other stuff, but there's no big. That's the big series, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, yes, but I mean, it probably is a lot of the, him realizing, like, well, I can make more money if I just write a bunch of different books versus draw one, one book, and oh, kill myself. Um, I don't know. I, it's an interesting like, and if you read that Comic Speed article, there's a lot of people who are like, this is probably just a blip on the radar. Like even if it is successful enough, and they maybe court more people, it's not gonna It's not gonna put other comics out of business 
It's not gonna. It's not that drastic change or anything. It's it's. But it is. It's a. It's another. It's another uh, footnote of like here is another, another tool in the toolkit. Yep, another another digital imprint. Another alongside mm-hmm. Comixology. Um, the other big news, which depending on who you are, it's probably it's very big news or it's nothing. And that is DC officially partnering with Webtoons and publishing things on Webtoons and Webtoon exclusive DC books. Or comics, not even books. People, comics. Are, people are pretty big mad about this. Yeah, some certain people are very, very upset about it. It is, it is one of those things that, um, it is something very annoying about uh, artists and illustrators and that culture. That uh, there's the, something about fetishizing poverty and working too much that like a new opportunity comes along and they get mad at it, you know, like, Oh my God, Disney is ruining web comics and it's going to be all corpo and uh, like, it's just like eat shit. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's like, I think, I think it, it really doesn't make any sense that they're t- like to have paid services for web comics like it 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 doesn't make sense that that hasn't been a thing more so than it has like i i don't understand people will complain about anything as if there are not a fucking unlimited number of ways to make your goddamn like punk rock crazy indie shit like there are like you can't (laughs) you can't fucking kill that by the nature of it like shut the fuck up oh my god I mean, I think it's largely people are, it it is Webtoons 1, which is, here's the thing, Webtoons is owned by the the Korean Google, I think it's been referred to as, in that Comic Speed article as well. So it's a gigantic, you know, corporation that owns Webtoons already. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's two giant corporations making a deal. You know, it's not like this is, Webtoons is not some mom and pop shop. Um, I think it's more about people... Webtoons has been relatively isolated away from the, you know, print comics and the influence of effectively editors really is what it is. It's very much like, I don't want someone telling me how to make my art. And uh, I don't, again, I think we, we already mentioned that the things are kind of exclusive from each other. I think this is more DC trying to say we want to try and get into this market more. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's. I don't think they're going to effectively move people over to print comics. And there's a lot of people who already dismiss this. They're like, "Oh, this is not going to last very long. DC is going to do this for a year, and then they're going to look at some spreadsheet and go, oh, they didn't make enough money, and and they'll cut it off again.' Um, but at this point, it's probably more people just like. There's a lot of people. That's all. This is all. They go to webtoons, and that's it. That's the only book. That's the only way they read comics. Is they read yeah. web through webtoons. My wife is one of them. She, 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 she does read other things. She reads in print occasionally, but most of the things she reads, she reads through webtoons. Um, but she's not precious about what she's reading on webtoons. She's just like, oh yeah, this is. It's it's just a way to get to a lot of books, a lot of comics, really mm-hmm. easily, and frankly, because there's so much on there, they're just by the mat the amount of of comics on there. Some of them are really good. 
because yeah. you have a lot of people all putting and you know the cream rises to the top even though as webtoons has gotten bigger discoverability has become a problem just like any of these other giant platforms um i believe justin jordan has uh, a really huge online only comic is it on that platform i do not know i can i can tell you in a second i cannot remember what what platform it is or what it's called urban animal but, Urban Animal is indeed it. Urban Animal is on Webtoons, yes. Yeah. So he's he's had quite a lot of success on the platform. It is one of the bigger uh, properties on there. Um, and I, you know, I, whatever, man, I support it. Go after those new readers. Make that fucking paper. Like, who, who gives a shit? Like, I don't understand these wackadoos and their... They're like, well, I, I want artists to make money. I want creators to make money. I want their, I want their work and their words to get out there. Like, I don't understand these dumb, dumb haters that like, they just, they want to make more and more like they just want to, it's, it's like the drill tweet. Like I want to continue to shrink into a fucking corn cob. Here, here Eric, this, this is here. I will give you one, I think legitimate criticism of DC partnering with webtoons, which I think is counter sure. to, is counter to that argument is that with the big, the big two superhero comics in particular, they're not, it's not exclusive to them, but it is certainly them probably championing this championing. It's not probably the right word for it, but basically a terrible work-life balance where artists are working 90 hour weeks because they need to publish a comic once a month because mm-hmm. they need to make that schedule. And I think there are, I think that was the one criticism I read from people on webtoons that I think is valid is people who on there who are publishing books at a pace that they can maintain without working themselves to death. And they are afraid that DC will push schedules of their books, not books, their comics onto webtoons with that same fervor of like, Oh, we're going to publish this at this schedule. And it has to be this schedule. And if you're working for us, you're, 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 you're an artist. You're going to be working 90 hour weeks to do it. And they are fearful of the, that, that may alter conceptions of what is a reasonable time frame of releasing new art. And they, they so let's, let, let's, let's back up on that and talk about like, what exactly is the business model of webtoons because my understanding of it is that it is completely, it is like YouTube that it is just a place where you put your stuff and aggregate eyeballs go to because they are looking to digest content in the form of webtoons. Am I wrong on that? There's there, are there actual contracts signed? Yes. With web, some of these web, creators? Webtoons does pay people, not everyone, but certain artists, certain creators, they will take note of them and see that they have a following and they will, they will absolutely, they do have contracts. Yes. With. But that also, that is also the way that YouTube works, that people of certain platforms, their content can be monetized. Well, I think uh, you, get, I believe you are. I think you, I think that you don't necessarily, I, I think you get like, a, like YouTube, you get like a small, like mm-hmm. a, pit, a pittance for ads. Um, yes. but, but then on top of that, if you are one of these select creators, you get a contract that will pay you more. I don't know. I have no idea what the level, well, here's, like how much money you make with a web Here's contract. The, the piece that's missing from this is how are they dictating your schedule 
like if this is truly their model like how are how is it any of their business no they're worried they're not worried they're not worried about webtoons they're worried about readers they're worried that if readers start reading these dc stories and they start seeing oh dc releases a story every single week why don't i get one every week from you and and that is that is indeed that is indeed a huge problem and it's like it is exactly what i have bitched about happening on uh platforms like kickstarter where a fucking millionaire you know it was like i was god i was bitching about chris metzen who was kickstarting a whole bunch of shit chris metzen who made fucking millions of goddamn dollars as a founder of blizzard and basically was the creator of like one of the major creators of starcraft and warcraft like did tons of the original art and stuff for warcraft um and for some reason this guy is doing kickstart like he could just outright buy all the books and sell them to people but instead he kickstarts it to take eyeballs away from other creators and i think that's the argument that you're making here that big money is going to come in and eat the lunch of the little guy and then all of a sudden it's an arms race and all the little guys have to go back to killing themselves to keep up with the big corpo guys. Yes, that is, I think that, and I think that is certainly, I think a legitimate concern, you know, like no one wants to, I think no one, buddy wants anybody to like work themselves to death. Mm -hmm. I, but I ultimately, I think is that what's going to happen is DC is going to, what I said, DC is going to do this for a year or two. And I, 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 I assume though that Webtoons is probably going to promote them fairly well. And I, I think no matter how well they promote them and no, no matter how many eyeballs they get, this is never going to be a big thing for DC. They're never going to put a lot of investment into it. And I don't think it will ultimately, it'll be another, like I just mentioned about Substack, it'll be another footnote. It'll be like, oh, DC has books over here. I, there probably will not be the biggest books on webtoons even still i think all the people that are still doing really well on webtoons are still going to be the people who do really well with webtoons for whatever reason. i well i mean i think that's true it's a big reason why you know there's a reason why like disney is not necessarily a huge content creator on youtube i'm sure they share a bunch of shit there and have a lot of viewers but no one no one that's not six years old is going to YouTube and looking at Disney. No, they're going, hey, mommy, daddy, can we get Disney Plus? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I, it is interesting, and I think I agree with you that it's not going to shake things up too, too much in terms of those people. But it is, I think, worth being cautious about because I do have my... Like, I mean, you look at, you look at the top Kickstarter stuff and so rarely is it like a little scrappy company. It's someone who's already well-funded for the most part because they can afford nice things like budgets for sexy videos and prototypes and all this bullshit. And they have a a big following online already where they can just say, Hey, exactly. They can market it to it and it sells out and you know, 30 minutes. And, you know, that's another thing that'll get people's attention. Like people only want to go to where the success is. And it's a reason why, I mean, I, 
It's the reason why the rich get richer and my old man ass gets grumpier by the day. <laughs> okay, Eric, here. Speaking of grumpy old men. Gr- the grumpiest. CM Punk debuted, came back to wrestling Friday night, last Friday night on Rampage, AEW Rampage, the second episode ever in a sold out Chicago show. You know, I really thought, I thought a lot of things. I, my official prediction was that they would put it towards the end of the show and that they would do a couple of teases or do whatever. And kind of looking at the way they did it, I, I can't imagine them doing it any differently that it was basically perfect and so pure and so nice. The show just fucking starts. He comes out. He does that very sweet promo, you know, it just felt so good. And your text messages during all of this were the funniest shit I've ever seen. You don't understand, man. I, I, you don't get it. I, I, oh, I get it. I get it. I just, I just, my feelings on it cannot be as deep as yours. I, I mean, I, this is the thing I read uh, after he debuted um, that kind of stunned me a little bit. I didn't really think about yes. it this way. Okay. When CM Punk quit wrestling, 2014, Royal Rumble, last, his, last, mm. his last public appearance, the WWE Network didn't exist. Wow. There was no network at the time. Wow. Which, I mean, I, re- I think I, I, like somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that. But I didn't really think about like, oh, that really puts a timeline on it. Like, oh, there was no way. Like, it's a, it was a different world, and there would be no, there'd be no, there. Daniel Bryan would have never been what he was. There would be no. I don't. There wouldn't be the elite. I don't think mm-hmm. without CM Punk first. No, that's that's. I, I think uh, my gut feeling about the whole thing is AEW is kind of a company in the image of CM Punk. It's, I mean, it, it is very much born of that early era ring of honor, mm-hmm. but that early era ring of honor was, I mean, it's, it was guys like, 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 uh, uh, Brian Danielson and Samoa Joe, Tyler black, Samoa Joe and fucking CM Punk. Yeah. You know, that, that was, that was who set the pace for all of that. And like, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. If it hadn't have been for the pipe bomb, I think you could make a very coherent argument that AEW would not fucking exist. It, I mean, I, 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 it really depends on an awful lot of things, but you know, I think a, a lot of it exists is because there's a huge mark out there named Tony Khan. Oh yes, of course. Who happens to kind of be a wrestling fucking genius. Yeah. There's it's, it just, it made me think about, the my like my my relationship with with wrestling fandom because I came back mm-hmm. to watch wrestling in like 2008 2009 and it was a oh god almighty raw was terrible like I know raw is bad now I mean I raw at the time was only two hours so that made it a lot more palatable because there's only two hours if it was bad you know it's not three three hours I cannot believe then Nick Khan came out it's like I wish I wish it was four hours long. I'm like, oh my god, Nick Khan, don't wish that's like hell. 
four it hours. Really of makes that. me. It really makes me wonder because I saw that too. Didn't he say that one of the shows should be five hours? He's well. I mean, he just wants more money for the for. No, that's what I'm saying. I yeah, get that. He, he wants. I, he I, would absolutely if they offered to pay them more money for more. He would. They would say yes. <laughs> the thing. The thing that is unreal about it is they probably would just make more money. Like, I don't understand, like, what fucking moon logic they all seem to work on, that they can make a demonstrably worse product, and for some reason, it just makes more and more and more money, until maybe one day it just collapses and implodes, who knows? Vince will sell it, and then he won't care anymore, you know, when he's 85 or something. (laughs) I Uh, don't know. Oh, right, I was right. watching I was watching Raw in 2009 or whatever and it was god my they had guest hosts it was the guest host era and there was like Bob Barker and Hugh Jackman and and the, the Muppets actually were a high point. Uh um, Oh jeez. The Muppets were pretty good as guest hosts. Uh Seamus is related to Beaker canonically by the way Eric if you didn't know that. I mean that makes sense. They are related. They are cousins. Um but and it was just like John Cena and a bunch of people leftovers from the Attitude Era and a bunch of nobodies. And then and everyone looked the same. And then you saw CM Punk and he's this dude covered in tattoos. He has a Pepsi tattoo. He's straight edge, drug free tattooed on his knuckles, different than everything else on that show. And there's no way to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling at that time unless you want to like probably like had a some weird satellite or something you could maybe watch well, I mean, Japanese would, I, television yeah i mean i would imagine i would imagine that no one that was that was only on the radar of like excalibur and like six other guys yeah probably you know like, like at least in terms of fans like there was like i remember god almighty it was probably 20 fucking 15 or 14 my own self when you started talking about new japan and i'm like what the fuck wrestling in japan and like i, I just I, it just seems such a weird concept to me like why would this exist so i i can't even imagine like i you know it's fuck it's fucking stupid because i used to watch wcw and i remember but i don't remember i never would connect dots and be like oh well Keiji Muto didn't just fall out of the sky. Like I, it didn't even it didn't even occur to me that like you know he doesn't just like roll up into a rug or like they they put him in a box when he's not on WCW. He's the fucking guy with the whole life. You know, he's it didn't he, even occur to me. He's a fucking Japanese man that wrestles in Japan. Yeah, and it's there. But then, like you couldn't Ring of Honor was impossible to find. I remember like ordering Shikara DVDs. In 2014, so I could watch Brody Lee and uh, at the uh, Claudio Casanoli, now Cesaro, mm. like watching those guys doing you know stuff and at, at, and Chuck Taylor, you know, and in at the time Fire Ant who became Orange Cassidy, like all those half those guys are now in AEW, um, the Super Smash Bros, like all those guys I was ordering DVDs to watch them. It's the only way. There was no streaming. YouTube like didn't wasn't what it was then wasn't what it is now then um and so if you wanted to watch wrestling there was only wwe and you everyone else was like oh this is just boring and normal and then you got cm punk and he's so different than everything else and he really did represent um an alternative 
Mm. It felt like he it felt like he didn't belong in this company. He felt like and he was incredible as a heel singing God Almighty singing happy birthday to Rey Mysterio's daughter when she is a little kid in the ring, so scary, throwing the undertake the throwing Paul Bearer's quote unquote ashes on himself in their in his view with the Undertaker. Like and then again when he turned when he turned quote unquote face uh, with the pipe bomb because WWE still pushed him as a heel then, um, but it's it is incredible to have him back in wrestling. It feels wrestling feels right again to have him there. I cannot. I'm so excited that he's in AEW, and is they're gonna him and we get to see him and Darby. That's gonna be incredible. Um, Punk was never like the best wrestler. He's not like the best worker in the world, but mm. he made you care. You know, he makes you care about his matches and he's really good at telling a story with his matches, even if they're not technical masterpieces or whatever. Um, like I, it was my birthday, like money in the bank, 2011 happened on my birthday, July 17th, 2011. I am Kim and I went to the beach for my birthday and I bought the pay-per-view and washed it at the beach. Cause I was so excited about what would happen and there was no one on earth thought that punk was going to beat cena no one thought it was going to happen and then it did and it's just it's like one of those incredible wrestling memories that i will live with me forever uh and clearly i'm not the only one because his shirt shirt has now outsold every other shirt ever in three days (laughs) out outselling outselling the bullet club shirt is crazy Going depleting the entire North American stock of ringer tees. They just yeah. there's no more of them. I mean, selling white shirts to wrestling fans is like a superpower. <laughs> That's what the power of CM Punk. You can sell white shirts to, yeah. to wrestling. Fans. I mean, I, I I so I have I have a, a friend at work. He is um, a very old person. <laughs> um. He watches WWE. He complains about it a lot, um, which I think is hilarious. We're basically on the same page with a lot of stuff, but he is very skeptical of AEW. But he apparently loved CM Punk's entrance, and we had a quick exchange about it today. But he loves CM Punk, and I, I do think that we're going to see a lot of that people that were skeptical people that will look down their nose at Kenny Omega or the young bucks. They're not gonna, they're not going to look at CM Punk the same way. No, there's, Um, there's a, there's a story of CM Punk um, connected to CM Punk, I guess the week he, when he was a champion for 400 plus days in a row and he lost mm -hmm. it to the rock at the Royal rumble prior to the rock facing off against John Cena at the WrestleMania that year. And, you know, um, most of the die, diehard smarks at the time all wanted Punk to keep the championship, even though they fe- everyone felt it was inevitable The Rock was going to beat him. And there was a news story that came out the week after Punk lost. It was a great, that was a great, it was a great feud, though, because Punk, it tells you how good Punk is on the mic when he, every single showdown with The Rock, he beat them in, I think, a stand, in standoff on mic time. And The Rock is, you know, all-timer on the mic. Punk was better than him in all regards. Um, 
there was a man, I, I, an older dude, like he was, I think he was in his 60s, and he worked at a convenience store. Uh, and some guy tried to rob his convenience store, and the dude got, I think, shot in the eye during the robbery. And they asked him, "Are you? How are you doing? You know, how you, I, I think he repelled the robbery and then got shot in the eye or something." And he's like, "He was like, eh, it's not so bad. It, you know, punk losing this past Sunday was worse for me." <laughs> you know, that's like that's a big deal. Yeah, punk connects to people, and I think that's I am. I couldn't sleep Friday night. I was up for. I'm usually in bed like ten thirty. I was up for hours. I was so so psyched. Um, and I'm so psyched that we get to see them, see them in Chicago, man. That crowd yeah, how, is going to be, cool is that? the crowd cool is, is going to be crazy. Yeah. It's going to be a lot. We have good seats for it too. Fucking bullshit seats are 300 and something dollars now. Yeah. Every, it's the, the highest secondary market ever for a wrestling mm-hmm. show. So oh, yeah. says Dave Meltzer. Um, you ready to talk about, uh, house husbands? We should probably shut the fuck up and actually talk about this book. Yeah, we, we should do that eventually. You know, we'll just this will. We have been. We have. I mean, granted, a whole huge chunk of it was indeed directly about comics, mm-hmm. but it was still. We're fine. We're it's our podcast. We're allowed to talk about what we want. Well, we we move on to our final segment. It's time for Nerbo Book Club. Nerbo Book Club is a part of the show where Eric and I assign a longer collected work and discuss it in depth like you would a book in a book club, except it is a comic book. This week, we are discussing The Way of the House Husband, Volumes 1 through 5 by Kosuke Ono, um, the, the, the book that is about a retired Yakuza uh, becoming a house husband. Uh, I've heard about this book a lot. I've seen a lot of... Go ahead, Eric. I was going to say it's been extremely viral over the past couple of years. Um, people just posting multiple pages and, you know, f- thousands of uh, likes on the tweets and things like that. I think that's been a lot of how anyone has heard of it. Yeah. Um, I I didn't know what to expect, but my God, this book is so much fun it's really good it's so good it's it's i don't usually laugh at things oh man uh i laughed a lot at this book this book is fucking uproariously funny it's really funny it's it's again like you said like it's not like i will think a a comic can be funny i won't be laughing at that though i won't be laughing out loud that that panel where his wife hits him in the face (laughs) trying to kill the bug I laughed so hard. <laughs> Just slams her right in the face. She slaps him a lot. She does. She's a she's aggro. She's a she's a fucking abuser. I guess he's tough. He I mean I you know he's I don't know if he gets I don't know if you can get to him in any other way. He seems I, I guess tatsu. cut off a piece of his finger. I know he was <laughs> he was trying to. That's a that is a that is a thing these guys do. Like if you mm-hmm. ever yep. see a a, a, a yakuza um in japan that uh their pinky on one hand or the other like if they fuck up they're supposed to cut off a a, a piece of it mm-hmm. so guys with like a shitload of their finger missing they've had a long career and they've managed to fuck up a bunch 
make amends. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the, I didn't know really what to, I didn't know what to expect of the like the broader structure of this, I guess. But it's mostly just like a it's like a sitcom. To, to me, it reads like a sketch comedy show. Yeah, that too. Yeah. You know, it like because everything is like a little vignette like that. But like it just sort of everything just sort of ends, you know, it has a very Japanese storytelling style to it that it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily end on a punchline. It just sort of gets in and gets out and kind of ends when it wants to end. I I don't know. I can't really explain the scenes just sort of lands where it lands and they stop. And I I, I like that about it. Um it's it's weird. It almost seems it almost seems like it hurts like a bunch of uh westerns. Like you think about SNL and how they try and end sketches on punchlines or something and it just it's why they're so cringy yeah i this last the these every single one of these every single vignette little chapter basically lasts long enough to for uh the artist to tell his jokes mm-hmm. and then it stops basically where i'm out of jokes okay let's wrap it up whatever it whatever it doesn't need to end end it just needs to end which is what happens so um, I even know that they're like joke jokes a lot of times as much as the characters are extremely goofy and there's all these little situational things like the God, this whole scene where the cat is pooping in someone else's yard. The other cat and like, is he keeps angry. trying to get him to stop. He's like, stop it. No, stop. Stop pooping. It just, just God, yes. fucking mighty! I love all the I, all the after the little tiny chapters at the ends that have the each one has a cat story, which mm-hmm. always looking forward to that cat story. And like how the father-in-law is like oh, trying to impress I, him. I love that dude him, is fucking precious. I love oh that my man. God. Oh, I love the father-in-law. He's so good. He's he's a fucking dork, and it's great. In practice, he practiced. He's practicing in yeah. front of the mirror. Oh, what a cornball. If you want to catch... Do you want to throw the ball around? Hey, do you want to... No, I shouldn't look like that. I should look over my... Should I look over my shoulder? <laughs> yeah. What a goober. Oh, my God. It's so funny. It's so funny. Love him. He's great. All the characters are fun. And I think they all subvert... They all subvert the tropes you expect them to. You know, like, you're like... Yeah. I, I, you all are like... I, at first... I was waiting for it to turn into mm-hmm. like violence, like to turn into for, for it to it was gonna like it's gonna shift into walking tall, event like or just like not even all the time, but you know once in a while he gets pushed too far and yeah. he becomes a badass, yeah. yeah. But it never does. It never. It never becomes definitely that. definitely to its strength. Yes, it is. This is all. All incredibly low stakes fucking bullshit, but like everyone is acting like it's incredibly high stakes and it's genius. White powder. <laughs> he, yes, he keeps saying white powder Brown when powder. he's talking about fucking flour. <laughs> I think that's another important thing is that Tatsu never stops being him. Mm-hmm. He's always that he is that former Yakuza guy, and he's always using <laughs> terms to like, I'm gonna, we're gonna take care of that. <laughs> like, he's always like, we're gonna go yeah. uh, take that. Like, it's always like 
uh, euphemisms for murder. <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, but he really needs, he means he wants to bake a cake <laughs> or whatever. Um, I mean, it kind of establishes that early on where he, when he runs into, when he first time he runs into uh, Masa, his former gang member, friend, who he sort of tutors about how to be a house husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he and he establishes it's like no violence is not the answer, violence won't get us anywhere. And I think that is I think a, it's a, like an underlying theme throughout this entire thing that every time he is presented with violence, legitimate violence. There's some oh there's a lot of slapstick in this too, but that, but I, that's not I don't treat that as like like a legitimate threat when his wife hits him in the face with a <laughs> rolled up newspaper or something. Or she clo- she literally clotheslines him to keep him from chopping his own pinky off. Just say she she rainmakers him. It's pretty good. He gets the fucking rainmaker. I really do like I like that a lot. I mean, he was trying to chop off his finger. He probably would do want to stop him at all by all means. That's that's probably fair. Like just saying you're sorry is enough, bud. Yeah, you don't need to do that, man. Um, but it is kind of this underlying. I think the thing that makes you, I don't know, makes me like this more than just, it's very, it is very funny. And just, and this very simple premise of having this very tough, the immortal dragon, Tatsu, badass Yakuza now in a lot of domestic situations is that, that juxtaposition is very naturally very funny. And the art and and, the creator, oh no, he's very, very talented at, at like crafting them and, the storytelling, I think, accentuates the humor very well, but mm. I think it earns my goodwill because of the fact that it doesn't make it never makes Tatsu less of a badass because he is a house husband. I think that it's kind of complex with that, and I I never quite get what it's trying to say. Um, I don't know that. It is. It it really like I I wonder if this person is thinking that deeply, and this is some kind of uh, some kind of musing on masculinity, or if it is just a gag of this is a boy and he's doing girl things. Because I think that it kind of does both. I I don't I, know that it that it means to. I I think there is intent. I don't think it's. In, I don't think it's doing a lot. I mean, I don't. I. I. I think it's. It is an undercurrent for me. It is not certainly on the surface, because it is gags. I'd say it's like eighty twenty, where it's eighty percent. Like this is just for gags because it is very yes. funny. But there is this a is, like. This is this is this is like Doctor Slump. Honestly, yes, it is. There there is there is very thin, like continuity, but not. It doesn't matter. Who cares? That like you see characters reoccur. That's largely the continuity. Is like, oh yeah, it's Masa again, or oh, it's we learn a little bit more about Miku's job, or you know, we see uh, the crepe man, uh, uh, Torajiro, who's the guy who sells crepes. Yeah, um, the crepe tiger. Crepe tiger. You see those guys. The, the, the crepe tiger. They they pop up over and over again. So that's continuity, but largely it's just excuses for gags. But I think. There is, it's not a lot, but I think it's enough for me. I think that's largely mm-hmm. what I mean. When there's enough of it to be like, no, Tatsu is doing, there is like some of it is, isn't it funny that this very tough guy is doing feminine things? But the, and I think it's not ever, Tatsu's hyper competent at them. Yes. Oh my God. I, I, 
I I literally like audibly was like, oh, oh, you know, like that when it was him. And I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was when um, Tora was introduced, when they had like a culinary showdown and then they both Instagram their shit. Mm hmm. And Tatsu gets one like from his wife, and then the other one gets zero likes. I, yeah, and I really saw good. that, and I was just like, "Oh, that's really oh my uh, god! It's really good." Uh, I it just it just melted my heart. I was like, "That is fucking amazing." Them both just like getting to like getting on their down on their bellies to get a good Instagram mm-hmm. picture, and then no like. <laughs> No likes. No likes. Oh man! Just, like I, I just had such sympathy pains for that. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" No likes, uh, or the one like from his wife. That's just that was so charming. It was really sweet. Yeah. I, I just, oh god, it just hurts my soul. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, I think that's like that's that juxtaposition though. It's like these guys take this very seriously. This showdown, mm-hmm. this culinary showdown, and I think that they combine that that like that hype the the yakuza it's hyper masculine people these yeah. dudes are like the most manly dudes in the world they're tough and they're dangerous and they take that same attitude to this very silly thing of like oh we need to make desserts and then instagram them but very seriously and i think taking that same attitude and putting it towards doing laundry or whatever. I I don't th- it's not dismissive of what it takes to run a house, of being a house husband or a housewife no, for that it, matter. It, it definitely um it definitely takes the labor seriously. Like all of the characters, like his wife is terrible at it, and then it shows her dad and he is like, whoops, he's she's the reason she's a fuck up. It's hereditary. <laughs> yeah. He tries to make the hot pot and he fucks everything up. It's just so delightful. That's a really great scene of 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 Tatsu trying to stop both of them from screwing up their the food. Mm-hmm. He's taking like he's taking bullets uh for them, but it's really just him st- trying to stop them from chopping things poorly. Uh, but that that combination of all those things together just really is just so fun and it and the fact that there it is low stakes but it's taken at the same attitude of very high stakes even but like the art i think does a lot of the lifting in that in that it uses i don't know my it uses my expectations of these dramatic manga set pieces and then makes it about like oh i need to make sure that you like him yelling at massa about having his whites and his colors together in the laundry it's like what are you doing Gonna... I'm just gonna put this out there. Your, your modern clothes, yeah, you're they're fine. Way, they're very color fast. Mm-hmm. Mix those colors together. Yeah, you're fine. You're you're definitely fine. I think there's. I think usually it's when you get like I don't know. There's. I there have been instances in our household mostly be just because we when we when Kim buys like red jeans, mm. bright red, and she's like, you should probably wash them by themselves just in case, so you won't have yeah. pink some pink white clothes or whatever. Um, but I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of the, the, a lot of the, like the household errands and chores and stuff like that 
has a certain formality about it. And that's, I think, even interesting as well. Like, I don't know if that's just Japanese or if it is purposely very formal because it's, like, drawing upon... It feels like it is drawing upon, like, classic sitcom also, like, tropes about laundry and cooking Mm -hmm. and things like that and using that as well in its arsenal, like, to juxtapose between the tough Yakuza guy doing, like, 50s sitcom stuff. I don't know if that's just inherent in, more inherent in Japanese culture, even modern Japanese culture, or if it's just a, a product of, like, we want a gag here. Maybe both. The art is very good. It's really excellent. It's really good. Um, this is Odo's first solo work. Real big, you know, not like a... I think he's done, like, small stories and, and stuff before. This is his first big thing. And my God. Home run out of the park. First... first at bat crazy it's probably not the thing that's going to blow the door down all over japan but god knows this is still really good i mean it's on netflix anime on netflix is it really good for yeah, them it's pretty good that is how we measure success in comic books now i mean does it get the netflix it kind of okay. it kind of is sadly enough i mean it is kind of they did I mean, it with no did it win there is money to, there's money to be made in Japan. Yes, there absolutely Japanese is. Japanese people actually read comics. Manga <laughs> has real market share. That's true. Uh, unlike in the United States. Uh, well, let's see there. It has uh, 1.2 million copies in print as of December 2019. Oh, so that's a year and a half ago. So this book? Yeah. But the first, the first, the that's first a, book. That's a fair few. That's good. Mm-hmm. So, so there is... It won the, oh, wow, 2020 won in the best humor, Eisner, for the English translation. That's very, it is very good. It's very funny. I can't argue with that. Like, I, this is a book I'm going to basically suggest to anyone. This book works mm-hmm. for anyone. There, I don't think there's a person on earth that this is not funny to. Like, this is, it, it is, it is very broad, but that's not a, I don't use that negatively. It, 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 it I think it's, I think a better way to describe it, universal. It's hard not to think this is funny when this real tough guy, you know, takes that same attitude of beating up people, except he wants to get a good deal. Oh, the drawing. Oh, the drawing. The drawing when he collects all the stamps and he gets. The, oh, where was that? And they get the <laughs> they get the big stuffed animal instead of. <laughs> yeah, he wanted the. Mm-hmm. What did he want? He wanted some blender or a rice cooker or something i forget what the he wanted second it was like this it was like the number two or three prize yes he never wants the number one prize he always wants like the practical thing which i can appreciate to a certain extent his wife i know for the um the halloween halloween costume contest the first prize was a trip somewhere but he wanted the year's supply of rice (laughs) i mean to be fair you know she's japanese that's probably a lot of money he called it. He called it a cash. He's like, I want that. And I want, <laughs> which is very like militaristic. I really like that. Oh my god, the, the the here I am at the scene where he's giving all the little cute animal toys to the guy at the flea market, and he can't. He's so bl- He's so scared. He can't even stand up. He keeps falling down. And he's like, okay, what about this? This this kitchen gadget that's shaped like a dog <laughs> tatsu keeps imagining his death and won't buy he won't buy the box car because he's scared he, like an old man is gonna shoot a bazooka at him in the street yeah it's, it's a hit 
where the, oh and uh, here eric that lovely the cat steals this fish and then it's just to feed the cat these kittens the cat just wants to feed its kittens it was it was really adorable it's so cute so sweet um i don't know there isn't like you know we talk about i mentioned the you know like the subverting you know masculine tropes about masculinity and 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 stuff like that it does that a little bit but this is it's mostly just goofs yeah it's and and that's not a bad thing like it's this is like it reads fast it's a lot of fun man i want to i could have just right kept on going just keep giving me this i could just do this forever just give me me five five trades they read uh very very fast yeah, it's um, it, it's very similar to Doctor Slump in that way, where it's just like, oh yeah, just breeze through this. It's very goofy and fun. Um, I don't know. You should read this if you haven't. Go read this, man. Go hunt this down. It's so much fun. Yeah, I, I might buy this in print. I might get this just so I can have it in print. I like it that much. If you can find it, I think that was a week. I couldn't. I didn't. I think this was out of print when I tried to buy it. I wonder if they're having issues getting it out or out more. They ran out of ink in Japan. It's a real shame. I know. That's got to get kill more of those octopuses. Yep, that's the only place you can get it. (laughs) Oh, it was a vacuum cleaner. It was a vacuum cleaner. That's what it was. He wanted the vacuum. I mean, a nice vacuum is worth it. To be fair, like if you find a vacuum that does the job, you want to get you 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 hold on to that with an iron grip. A lot of vacuum cleaners suck. Nothing. I get nothing. I I don't care. You don't get I I I don't I, care about I set, your, your entry level pun. I set up this whole thing about vacuum cleaners and I can't even get nothing. I don't even get a reaction. Not even mm. a I tried really hard. Yeah. That's you're that's hurtful, okay? That's hurtful. You know. I learned it from you, Dad. I know. I'm I I am in my own small way proud of you. I don't know what else to say. This book's a lot of fun. And I, it, I, I mean, we could just recount different bits from this that I laughed at, but that's not, I don't know how entertaining that is. Um, but it it looks great. It's very funny. It's very wholesome. It's very light. And it made me laugh. So they call him feminine here and they call him princess. Different Different men call him different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, it, they're, it, it, it irks me. I don't like it. I mean, those are they're they're heels. You know, those are the 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 yakuza toughs that you're not supposed to like. So, well, well, one of them is the volleyball guy, and the other one is a cop. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't. The, I mean, the, obviously, the, a cop. The, you don't yakuza, like a cop. The yakuza guys don't really say anything positive or negative about him. Isn't the volleyball Most guy? Of them, He's a, mm-hmm. The volleyball guy is a former yakuza. He's not. They're not. I uh, read him as such, but I think they're deliberately unclear about it i don't know i thought that's what they were they were like oh these are former yakuza guys but now they reformed and they formed a volleyball team for some reason Uh, and they're very proud that they beat a team full of housewives and tatsu with no notice mm -hmm. i really do like the scene where he gives that guy gloves and early on he's like he gets beat up by these guys and he's just like here gloves winter's coming don't catch cold. <laughs> so sweet, Tatsu. You're so sweet. Such a nice man. Mm-hmm. Do you think we ever get? You think we ever? This ever book ever actually gives us 
like why he left the Yakuza. I kind of hope not. Because there's a there's an early on there's a, like a brief flashback of when Miku found him, mm-hmm. which is I assume like the beginning of him leaving, but it doesn't really ever go into any more detail than that. And I'm I, I wonder think the mystery is a part of why the humor works. Uh, I don't think I I think to explain it, it's going to take some of the magic out of it. Like it it I mean that's that's a big part of what we're so perpetually perplexed by this is like, oh, of course he can make a gorgeous bento like that. And it's just like he can do the hot pot perfect. And and he, he plans his whole shopping day by looking at his coupon books or whatever in the hell. <laughs> like, it's just like the absurdity and mystery of the thing. And like, there's no bottom to how absurd he is. He makes his own fucking boba balls. Which is crazy to me. That No, that is bat shit. I cannot believe that's a thing that human beings do. Like, I, it seems like you need a factory to do that sort of thing. It's like, ha- what? R- really? No, that blew my mind. What a lovely book. That's, that's, I, it's lovely. It's very nice. It makes you, it makes you feel good. It's a feel good book. Mm-hmm. Anything else here? Anything else you'd like to add, Eric? Mm-mm. I want a boba. I mean, that's pretty We're good. We're living through a boba shortage. Are we? Yeah. Oh, no. Um, that is a tragedy, the boba shortage. Because boba's real mm-hmm. good. It's COVID-related. Yeah, I, I, everything is. Everything sh- We have a shortage of everything because of, because of COVID. It's a short, the reason why CM Punk's rarities are in short supply. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's also probably why he came back at all. He was absolutely waiting for a crowd. That's they've made that oh, explicit. Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Um, of course, those ice cream, the ice cream people who made the ice cream bars said that he came to them first two years ago about making those ice cream bars. Oh wow! So it's that it's been that long since they were. He's been thinking about it. Um, that was the way of the House Hosen Volumes One through Five by Guske. Oh no. What a great book. You should go read it. Go buy it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, next time, now for something completely different. In three weeks' time, our next episode, because Eric and I will be in Chicago in two weekends from now. In three weeks, we will be reading and discussing God Loves, Man Kills, the X-Men graphic novel written by Chris Claremont, art by Brent Anderson, um, William Stryker, religion, X-Men. A, a classic. We've never read it, and I'm in the mood for some good old X-Men. Good old Chris Claremont X-Men. Can never get enough of it, honestly. Um, we'll be talking about it next time. You can read along with us. That'll do it for us today. We are the Hands of Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsofboyscomicshour.com. Find links to everything there to our to all our social media. And uh, our email is handsofboyscomics at gmail.com. You can email us. And also, if you like the show, how about you leave us a nice review on your podcast app of choice. Rate us, review us, subscribe. Tell your friends. All those things help, and we really appreciate it. You can find me online on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. That is my name. My website is also my name. It is RobbieDorman.com. Has links to all the things I do online, including my other podcasts, and links to purchase my eight, count them eight, horror novels, including my newest. It's called Death Rattle. It is about a grizzled Texas redneck fighting off vampires defending his town. Uh, it's my best book yet. You should go buy it. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. It's on Amazon. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? 
Well, what an excellent question. You can see my portfolio at freewillunlimited.com and many of the things I get up to online at ericzgoodnight.com. That includes all my various social media like Twitter, uh, Instagram, and twitch.tv where I'm known on all these services as EZ Goodnight. With that, folks, we will call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll. Thank <music> you.